Praise the Lord. While the sheets are being passed out, I'll begin with a, a unique anecdote. We had the twins at our house last night, which is always a unique time. And um, so um, I, uh, I had studied a lot of different things, but it's virtually impossible to, to do any studying when they're around because... They, uh, they come up and they bring me things and then they sneak up and hide and peek in and, and they run in and, and they climb on my lap and they go back downstairs and that's fine. I'm not, I'm, I appreciate that. That's a blessing. But I finally said, okay, Lord, I've studied and I'll get up re really early in the morning and uh, find out what you want for today, which I do regularly. Usually God doesn't tell me what we're going to speak, what we're going to share until early on Sunday morning anyway. And so uh, I shut down and went downstairs and did what grandpas do. Um, so um, <clears throat> at um, about 3.30 this morning, I just woke up and uh, it was during one of those times where I knew that the Father was speaking to me, and he was speaking to me about the Spirit of glory and of God, and which was what we were focusing on yesterday. And um, he pretty much said, um, you, need to, you need to speak a bit about this in a few hours. And I said, okay. And I knew that we haven't really talked about the spirit of glory and of God for a number of years since the time when we were putting forth the seven spirits and declaring them. And um, we have referenced them and in a functional way utilized the flow of the ways of God, of course. But we haven't really revisited uh, any kind of teaching regarding this. And so... The whole message today is basically um, some of the things that on this day of celebrating truth and sonship, some of the things that God has led us through recently and reiterated to us. And, and I think we need to remember these things. Um, we, need to, we need to allow them as we meditate on them to be strength and sustenance for our spirit. And um, because God has... He has brought us through a lot of things in the past number of weeks. It's been an amazing walk with him, hasn't it been? And so many of you have faced a lot of unusual challenges, but God has delivered you out of them all. And we are, we're not on a normal pathway right now. I hope you realize that the normal rules are there, but they don't really seem to apply. What God is leading us through over this past season of weeks has been incredible affirmation of what he has established, but preparing us for what's coming in our representation of him. And so um, we want to begin by reading this signature passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, where Peter speaks from verses 12 through 14, 
Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, I want to stop right there because this is interesting. You know, in, the, in, in the, the Greek language, the word translated as strange can mean a number of different things. But one of the primary usages was to describe someone who was an entertainer or a thespian or somebody that would come and show their artistic skills in front of people. And they would travel from town to town. Hopefully they would hit the big markets of uh, Athens or Sparta or Corinth. But they would just move about, you know, playing different venues. And this word was used to describe the way these types of people would mesmerize the, the native folks. And so uh, I was wondering about how many times when fiery trials come against us, uh, we often view them almost as if we're watching a, some kind of a presentation. and We're stunned by it. We're hanging on every word and everything. We don't know what's coming next. And Peter says, when a fiery trial comes, and it, you, you need to know what it's for, because the next verse is talking about the spirit of glory and of God. So when that happens, how often it is that the trial itself tries to captivate our attention. You know, um, that it, the trial itself tries to cause us to make it the focus of what's really the main theme of the day. But what Peter says is, when a fiery trial is there, you need to view it from a perspective of recognizing why it's really there and not let it control the agenda, not let it captivate your attention, not let it form the storyline, not let it be, um, be the, um, the, the one that communicates the message because you're representing another message and the fiery trial is to be there uh, for you to overcome, but if it can, it will operate in one of the enemy's chief um, capacities, and that is deception or lying. You know, one of the ways lying comes is by knowing that there's a truth but presenting a different, a different version. Um, a seducing spirit, a seducing pathway is an alternative pathway. And the Bible says there are a lot of them that are being released in the end times. We certainly see them, aren't we? So when a fiery trial comes, you best view it from the standpoint of what God has called you to be and to do and not let it dictate the narrative, not let it command what the truth that's being manifested is. And that's a, it's a fine art, you know. It's, it's a fine measure because, you know, especially what, what Katie was saying, when some awkward, crazy thing happens and you, it, it's just, it's not normal and it does captivate you it, or it would try to. That's just human nature. You see something you've not seen before, you weren't expecting it. Suddenly, in vivid uh, in vivid attention, you are locked in. And so, for a person of divine purpose, it's imperative that we are so rock solid on what God has commissioned us to be and to do, that no matter what comes, none of these things move me, Paul said. 
But this one thing I do. We have to view it from that foundational perspective and not let a strange, see Peter says the same word twice in this one verse, not let it become the, um, the narrative. And that is, a, that is a key lesson in spiritual warfare. And, um, but then he goes on from that lead-in. But rejoice, and that is a derivative of grace. It's looking forward to what you know is promised by God and what your assignment and mission is from him. Inasmuch as you are partakers of the same types of sufferings that Christ partook of. Isn't that interesting? Remember what we studied about. You know, the God of all grace, after you have suffered a little while, and then you rebuke it and send it away. That's not what it says. God does those four things, and that's going to be the, the lead, I think, uh, the lead message of our seminar that's coming up. And we're going to make declaration concerning what God has established. But we're partaking as anointed sons with Christ. And um, knowing that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. That is one of the most triumphant statements, teachings that Peter ever gave. And I have to believe that with all the time that our Lord spent with Peter, the private communications that they had, after the, uh, after the resurrection, that this was something that our Lord spoke with him about over and over again. I just have to believe that because he was not a trained speaker. Peter wasn't, you know, he was, we don't have any record of him being the, the sharpest tack in the apostolic toolbox when it came to intellectual things. He was known for his strength and for standing and his willingness to be a, uh, a rock, which is what the Father and Jesus pronounced over him. But here he says these things, which is, is uh, an amazing collection of insights. And I want you to know that as we have been privileged to go into that secret place at the right hand of God, the secret place of thunder in the area of the... Uh, the spirit of glory and of God. And God has brought us into that deep indigo blue experience of sharing with him in his partnership and in his burden. That when you emerge from that, there are going to be influences that will speak evil of that and of him and of you. Now, we don't welcome that, but that's just there. And... Um, we, we need to recognize that we are partnering with the glory of God. God has given an assignment to us that is a choice assignment. He is, he is surrounding us, as Les mentioned, and there's, a, there's an encampment of the angels of the Lord around us. And we are, we are battling 
in the stance. We are, we are standing on the, on the frontier. We're standing on the beachhead of a great invasion force. And we are holding ground for the kingdom at the behest of our Father, and we will not be moved. We've done everything to stand, and we're standing there for. And, and so the glory that God has promised is ahead. We rejoice in it. And when fiery trials come, when evil is spoken, we don't respond in fear. We don't recoil as if we are those who are clueless. We are standing and rejoicing on behalf of our Father as anointed sons with our Lord Jesus Christ with us. And um, we're not letting those those oppositions, those mountains, declare the narrative. As entertaining as they are, as uh, captivating as they may be, as alluring, as deceptive, we are not moved by them. For we recognize the vitality of all of these other factors that Peter has told us. And, and if, anybody, if anybody learned this through through doing, Peter did. And I'm not faulting him. I mean, there but for timing and for God's positioning, we might have been right in his shoes during that moment of the passion of Christ. The narrative was being forged by the enemy, or, or the narrative was being, the enemy was attempting to forge the narrative as to what was really going on. Um, here was the Son of God being sacrificed for the sins of the world to redeem us to the Father. But the enemy was trying to paint the narrative, and it looked like all was lost. And there was Peter at that small fire warming himself, and there was some voice of the enemy. He was saying, you're one of them, and he said, I'm not. You know, remember the story of the cock crowing three times, and Peter said some... Um, some euphemisms that he probably shouldn't have said. Uh, the narrative was there in front of him, and he had retrospect, and narrative, uh, he, he had, the narrative was lying, but it was captivating. And Peter learned this lesson through the victory of our Lord. And he says, when those fiery trials come, keep in perspective what Christ is doing. Keep in perspective the glory that you're partnering with, and don't let those fiery trials dictate the narrative. And again, that's easier said than done, but it is a key point in victory, which is how he could have the joy set before him. The narrative of the cross and the, the, the pain and the suffering and the ignominy and the, 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 the vile words of the enemy was not going to dictate what the narrative was for him. The joy set before him was the, the one true narrative. And that's our place. So as an interpretation people, as a pneumatikos people, we need, to, we need to firm up the things that God shares with us and let them be our rock. Stand on that. And no matter what comes, none of those things move us because we are walking in the glory of our God. And so when the spirit of glory and of God is mentioned, that's what it's saying. We are, we are intimate, intimately involved with Elohim. And we emerge with the assignment of his glory. We have the burden of hope 
within us. And that's what we are. And immediately the enemy is going to speak evil over it. He's going to try to bring trials to blow you off course. But don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Trust in your covenant with the Almighty God and with the glory that you share with him. And um, laugh in the face of challenges. You know, it's kind of interesting. I Not long ago, I was up in the chambers praying, and um, it's just weird. I mean, the way the Father is moving, um, I say it's weird. I say it's weird over me because I'm kind of a weird individual. And, um, you know, I've never been one that was given to tears. I just don't. I, I'm, I, it's not a statement. I'm just saying it. it's just not what I do. And you've been around me. You know that. Um, but I was sitting up there in the chambers, and I was praying and didn't have any music on or anything. All of a sudden, just tears just started streaming down my face. And I thought, what in the world is this? And then I started feeling deep in my spirit this, like, something breaking th through. And, and I, I could feel it welling up within me. And I, I knew God was doing something. And I, I didn't know what it was. But I could sense it was a moment that God had divinely ordained. And there were things that were happening uh, during those days uh, that I was grappling with in my own life, some challenges that were spiritual, some things that I had seen in prayer that were coming against us, and I, in fasting, was standing against them. You all do this kind of thing, so I'm not patting myself on the back saying, oh, look at me. We're all in fasting mode right now. And so I didn't know what that was, but I knew immediately that God somehow had tapped a, re a reserve that he of his deposit in me, and something was breaking through. And I just began to rejoice. I just began to rejoice, and I began to laugh at the things that I knew that were coming against us and our calling and against me individually. And, and it was really a strange thing. You have to recognize that God is in control. You're with him. The spirit of Elohim and the spirit of glory is that very deep place he's allowed us to dwell in. Trust in that. And if a fiery trial comes, it's a charlatan. It's somebody that's trying to entertain you and dictate the narrative. Don't let it happen. Trust in the spirit of glory and of God. And rejoice because on your part, what he said in his glory is going to be known. Second thing we need to remember, and this is the closest to a topical sermon you're ever going to hear me give. But on this day of truth and sonship, we need to remember that we need to keep in remembrance what God has done. And we need to rehearse that and triumph in it and thank him and praise ahead from that perspective. So there's a method to this. The Spirit of God is invested upon you. Now, I know this passage in Matthew is one that spoke of the prophecy of Jesus, but we're to be Christ-like 
We are joint heirs with him. And so we need to recognize that if this was what he did, we want to do it too. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will tethemi my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He will not strive or cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed will he not break, smoking flax will he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Now, this bruised reed business, I remember there was one time there was a woman here who fancied herself to be a prophet. And she didn't like the way I was conducting those early years of the saints. And she was accusing me of being mean-spirited to weak people. And so she'd go around telling people that I was bruising reeds. And I thought, first of all, you're bruising your own head when you're touching God's anointed, so you just need to watch out what you're saying. The second thing is you don't understand what that verse means at all. It's not some little person who's unwilling to take a stand. A reed in the Old Testament represented the jealousy of God. You remember that? That kanah, that jealousy of God. In fact, that's what Melchizedek said to Abram. He was a possessor of heaven and earth. Use that same word. And so when God's jealousy and what God wants to do in connecting heaven and earth, though it's been battered and though it's been assaulted and it may have been abandoned, we cherish that and we stand for the jealousy of our God that it will be on earth as it is in heaven and we're not going to allow that thing to be broken or thrown away. And when there is the fire of the Lord, that flax... We're not going to let it be quenched. We're going to welcome the oil and the trimming, and we're going to let the oil of the Spirit of God and the breath of God breathe that fire to new life. Those are things Jesus did on earth as it is in heaven, and quickening those things that seem like iniquity has snuffed them out, causing them to burst forth into flame. But the point for us in this is that God has tethemied his spirit upon you. It was invested from the place of his purpose in heaven. And every one of you has the spirit of God upon you, not just a random anointment or goosebump here and there. It's an abiding calling of God. This is how Jesus moved. Do you see this? He moved because God tethemied the spirit upon him. That's what the scripture says, and that's what it, there in the gospels, they said, this is what's happening in this man right here. You are functioning, not because there's a visitation, even though we love those. You function because of the spirit that's been tethemied upon you. It is an eternal calling. And again, we stand on that, not on just whatever it appears at the moment. Oh, things have gone south. I don't know where God is. I better get somebody to stoke me up. No, we stand because God's Spirit has tethemied upon you. Don't let that go. Don't ever forget that. Don't surrender it. 
if and and there are a lot of ver this is what I'm writing on right now grouping together these tethemes in conjunction with the thesaurus so we know where we stand on this basis but all the ways God sends his fivefold sends your callings sends the, the footstool of the enemy, all of these things align with the purpose of God in heaven. So you are not, as a, as a, as a piece of straw in a windstorm, God invested to themate his spirit upon you and that calling. Stand in that strength. Don't let that go. It's, it's him in you. Hallelujah. So, hey, you're invested with a calling. Here's another Tetheme, 1 Timothy 2, 7. Look what Paul says about himself. Where am I am Tetheme, a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and I do not lie. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how wonderful that is. I thought something funny, but I can't say it right now. Um. I am ordained to themate. What's God called you to be and to do? That's not a lie. It's the truth. And um, trust that. Now, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the Salah. Let your divine assignment become a strength. 1 Samuel 16, 13. This is just one verse. I could have talked about Samson. I could have talked about Saul. But since everybody loves David, let's talk about him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon Salah, David, from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I love that. Those miracles happen because you remember what God has given you to do, your promise going toward fulfillment. Stand firmly in that valley, in that selah, and manifest what God has given you in the midst of that selah. That's what David did. That's what Solomon did. That's what Saul did. That's what Samson did. And so many others. You're not just going through the valley alone. The Lord is with you. The enemy may be threatening there, but you're putting him to flight. You are a person of purpose. Purpose did not leave you when you came into the valley. God's promise did not skedaddle when you came into the valley. You are walking that through. You're in the Selah, but you are a Salah person in that Selah. You're in a valley right now. You're not alone. God is with you. He has kept you this far, and He ain't about to quit. He's with you. Trust Him there. Victory is in the valley. The giant is slain in the valley. You are that kind of person. These are just things that God's been sharing with us over the past number of months. It's neat to put them together, isn't it? We need to remind ourselves of this. We need to let this be our strength because it is. Last one. This goes back to these past couple of years of grace and supplication. I love this verse, amazing verse. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Be careful... For nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, there's prosuke diesis, with Eucharistia, looking forward in grace, in the good grace of God, 
let your requests be made known unto God. And the victory of our God, the peace of God, which passes what your mind can figure out, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love that. Let the peace of God dictate the steering will of your life. Let the peace of God dictate the thoughts that come into your mind. And if there's an errant one, take it captive and present it to the obedience of Christ. Let this victory be yours. So don't be careful for anything. But in everything, know that you are a grace partner with God. Your prayers are supplication prayers at the boardroom of heaven. You are communing with your partner, the Most High God. And what things he puts in your heart, what prophetic insights, what, what perspectives he establishes in prosuke, you walk in them and you let them form your, your requests. And God's peace is not going to fail you. Amen. So these are just a few things that God has been working in us and teaching us in over these past months. And you are a supplication partner. You are, you are walking with the throne of grace to see God's grace manifest in an international way and in a realm that is rocking the spirit. It's an amazing thing. Things are being shaken, but you are not. Because what cannot be shaken, you are standing upon. You are a person that is walking through the valley, a person of purpose, but you are a champion in the valley. You're in the Selah, but you're not of the Selah because you are Salah. You've already overcome because what God said will be, and it won't be any other way. You are heading through that valley to the fulfillment, and you keep that ever before you. That's the song. That's the rejoicing. It's ever before you. And you say to any mountain, be removed, be cast yonder or into the sea. And you're not doubting in your heart because God's peace is governing your heart. His purpose and his mission is doing that. You've been tethemed with an assignment that is rooted in the eternal plan of God's wisdom. Trust that tetheme. His spirit is with you. His calling is with you. The assignment is with you. And, and remember what, what we've said recently, that where it says that our enemies will be made our footstool, made is tethemed. God has already ordained that the enemy that's standing against you is going to be a place where your feet rest. Hallelujah. That's a tetheme. And that's God's promise to you. But mostly, the spirit of glory and of God is with you. He's a wonderful God. He's a wonderful Father, and He loves you very much. These miracles that are happening right now, this weekend of miracles, is a triumph of our Father. And again, it's been proclaimed so many times, more eloquently than I can right now. But this is the end of the message, and I have to say something like this. I declare over you the victory that God has given. Lay claim to it. Don't let it go. This is a day of miracles. A day of miracles. It's a day where the enemy is put to flight. 
And it's a day where God is restoring what the enemy has tried to steal from you. It's a day where God is replenishing your life with more years, more strength, more vitality, and more identity from Him than you've ever known. It's a time for you to begin to be a psalmist like Hezekiah was and to sing throughout the remaining time God gives us on this earth and into eternity of the goodness of God. These are your promises. And again, I'm not just preaching them to a, a bunch of stoneheads. You've been living this. I shouldn't have to convince you of this because you're in the thick middle of it. Victory is yours. Lay claim to it. It is yours because your Father loves you and because you are walking with Him. Amen? Oh, man, I tell you. Um, I speak forth the fivefold gifts in a new way, a new dimension of the fivefold. I ask that dreams and visions would come online in a way beyond what you've known. It's your Father's wavelength. Let Him tap into those antennas of the Spirit that He's deposited in you. Prophecy in new and profound ways. And even commitments of, of um, um, the Spirit coming upon the servants and the handmaidens that we would do exploits, the spirit of wisdom come upon us and skill and exploits, a, a devotion to God, an agape beyond what we've known. We need that. And I declare it over all of us. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, this month, triumphant month that we're stepping into now. This is a day of prayer and prophecy and victory. We're just going to go from minute to minute knowing you're your delights. Thank you for this privilege because the most wonderful delight of all is knowing you. And we want to thank our Lord Jesus for giving himself and praying for us and standing with us and redeeming us to you. Thank you for that, Lord. And I, I speak blessing over all of this wonderful house and all of the houses of the saints. Speak blessing from our Heavenly Father over you. Walk in blessing today and in the week to come. And thank you, Father, for all of these things. Let us, let us be worthy to, to carry them. Let us take the axios of them and let us not let them drop by the way. Let us bear them victoriously and make you, make you proud as, as a father. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And it's only 23 after. See how much time I've given for those of you who are willing to come and help us move chairs out of the youth room. Amen. It won't take long. But thank you. God bless you. Be here tonight for prayer class, prophetic presbytery themed, and the great time of prayer to follow. I'm looking forward to it. God bless you. Bye-bye.